Hey friends, welcome to the Collide Midweek Podcast. These episodes are recorded every Wednesday night at our midweek gathering for those of you who may have missed it or just want to hear it again. We hope that the following episode encourages you to know, grow, and go in your faith. Hello. We missed you guys. Aww. Last week we missed you all. I hope you guys got to go to Quintel Hill. Who here got to go to Refocus? Hands up, you went to Refocus. Just one night. You went to one night. Mm. I wish that there was more of you that went. I'm not ashamed, but it was great. I re- we're really excited to have Quintel out. Um, it was a great night, a couple of nights, to listen to the word and to pray together. But we missed you guys. We're excited to be back. Um, my wife is going to be having a baby soon. We don't know. Thank you for the applause. Yeah, I didn't really do anything. <laughs> applause for Carly in the back. She's going to be having a baby soon. It's really any time now. So um, when I'm gone, cool announcement, big, old, big dog Steve, the pastor for OBC, is going to be talking to you guys for a couple of weeks. And to my understanding, he hasn't been here for like years and years talking to your high schoolers. So we're really excited to have uh, Steve here with you guys when, when I'm gone. Again, we don't know when that'll be. So one time if I'm not here, Steve will be here and we'll roll with it. Um, but... Last week, another cool thing that happened, um, got a haircut, looks a little better. It was looking a little ragged for a little while, but I uh, got it cut. I actually, I cut my own hair, which um, took me a while to learn. I started over COVID, cut my own hair, and uh, first time I did it, I just had the scissors, and I was trying to cut it in a mirror behind me, and I couldn't see, so I was trying to like hold my hair and cut it, and it wasn't working very well, and it didn't look great. But I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and I figured out how to fade it up, because it looks good when it's faded. So I learned how to do that, um, and then I wanted to learn how to do a skin fade, which is when it's down to the skin and goes up into the hair. And the first time I tried it, it looked really bad. And I was going to bring a picture and put it up there, but I didn't want you guys to see me like that. So I didn't do that. But eventually, I kept watching YouTube videos about how to learn how to cut your own hair, and I would practice uh, whenever I'd cut my own hair. And eventually, I got better at it, and so now it looks okay. If you ever see me with a bad haircut, then obviously that was my fault. But if you see me with a good haircut, then you know who to give props to. Um, but yeah, when I wanted to learn how to cut my own hair, I went to YouTube to figure it out. Because where else do you go when you want to learn things? You go to YouTube to figure things out. When we have a question about life, about why things are the way that they are, that they are today we're going to talk about how we go to God about those things and how to go, how to, go to God with our questions because we seem to not know whether we're allowed to, whether we can, whether we're supposed to, because he's our God, he's our sovereign creator. So can we ask him questions? Should we ask him questions? I hope to answer some of those questions tonight and make it a little more clear how we can go to the Lord with our questions and requests. Um, The first line on your guys' outline is, why do we ask? And it's pretty straightforward. The point is because we have questions. We want to know things about life. Life is confusing and things happen and we want to know what happens in our future. Um, Sooner or later, you'll go looking for answers. And so I encourage you guys and I hope that you guys go to the right place and look to the word of God and go to God in prayer as we'll see later on in the message. But a good place to start is always Jesus Christ. Jesus in Luke 2, um, his parents, I never understood this, but his parents 
they left the temple. They left and they'd been gone for three days and then they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. So I don't know how they did that, but they left for three days, then they came back looking for Jesus and he was in the temple asking questions of the teachers in the temple. Um, He wanted to know more about his faith, more about the word of God. These teachers, they knew so much about the Bible. Um, They would have memorized entire books of the Bible and been able to pull things out out of the Bible just by memory. So Jesus asked questions. Circumstances in our lives can distort truths about God, can make them foggy. As we're seeing in Job, Job was consistent with the Lord. He followed him faithfully. Job's wife, I assume, did too. And then all this stuff happens to them, and they have questions. They wonder why it's happening. So we go ask questions of God, naturally, because we have questions. Kind of the first simple point here. The next one is who can ask questions? And again, it's rather simple. It's everyone. Everyone can ask questions of God. So fill in, everybody can ask questions of God. The broken, the righteous, the rich, the poor, the cool kids from Draper, and everybody else. Everybody can ask questions of God. Democrats, Republicans, everybody can ask questions of God. We'll talk in a second about how you do that, but we see in the Bible that Adam, Eve, Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, John the Baptist, kings, prophets, and sinners all had doubts, and many of them asked questions of God. We see that in Scripture. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And David writes in Psalm chapter 4, verse 3, Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So we're clearly encouraged to bring our requests and bring our questions to God, as Paul says. And we also see with David that he hears us. When we're faithful with our requests, when we're faithful servants of the Lord, he hears us. Now, some of you guys who really know the Bible will know that in Isaiah, it said that some people, um, the Lord doesn't hear their prayers. He closes his ear off to their prayers. In Isaiah chapter 59, 1 through 2, says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But... Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, to clarify there, basically all that that means is that their sin separates them from God. And they aren't able to be heard by God or God closes his ear to them because they're holding on to their iniquities and their sin. So, outside of this, God hears us. And he hears our requests and our questions. We'll see how to be faithful in our requests later on, uh, but... Moving quickly through the first couple of ones, who can ask everyone? The next one is, what do we ask? And again, this one's rather simple. It's technically, we can ask anything. You can technically ask anything of God. That doesn't mean he's going to answer everything, but you can ask him anything. Now, I didn't do this growing up, but some of my friends used to pray about their, they weren't very good at math, and I really wasn't either, but they would pray about their math homework or their uh, tests. They wouldn't study, and then they would pray, oh, I hope that I know this material. I hope that I just know the answers. And we don't see that in the Bible. We don't see God showing them how to do pre-calc or anything like that. So I don't really believe he's going to answer questions like that. You never know because he can, but based off of what we see in Scripture, typically doesn't. So when we have questions like that about math, about science, astrophysics, or how to fix up a car, like we don't go to God to ask him, how do I fix my engine? You go to a mechanic to help fix your engine. You go to a scientist to ask how astrophysics is done. I don't know anything about that, but how astrophysics are done. We do it all with a biblical lens. We'll talk about a biblical lens 
in a minute, but we go to people like mathematicians, scientists, and mechanics to fix things of the world that aren't really mentioned in Scripture. And we look to Jesus as well in what kind of questions that we should ask. Jesus asked a lot of questions. He asked between 307 and 339 questions that are recorded in the New Testament, in four books, in the Gospels. 307 and 339 questions. He asked curious, open-ended, and challenging questions. He didn't ask about his math homework. He asked curious, challenging questions. He asked things like, don't even pagans do that? How can salt be made salty again? Are you much more valuable than the lilies of the field? Why did you doubt? Will he not leave the 99 for the one? And on and on. He asks a lot of open-ended and challenging questions. But Jesus never asked when questions. He never asked, when will I be delivered from my torment when he was being crucified? He cried out to God, why? Or why have you abandoned me? He never asked when questions. We often do ask when questions. When will I get married? When will I get that job? When will I make that friend? When will I get out of this situation? And if Jesus isn't asking these questions, then using him as a model challenges us a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't be asking when questions. Maybe we should be asking the kind of questions that Jesus did. Why? What? Where do I go? Things like this. Just kind of a point there that I think is valuable is that Jesus didn't ask those kinds of questions. He asked God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was in pain and torment on the cross. Job asked in chapter 6, verse 11, what strength do I have that I should hope when he was hopeless? He asked again in chapter 13, 24, why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy when he felt abandoned? So we see people ask questions when they're in difficult situations, kind of going along the theme of suffering that we're studying right now through the book of Job. That we're encouraged to ask questions because Jesus did it and Job did it and many other characters in the Bible asked these questions when they were going through difficult situations. They're encouraged to bring their requests to God, as Paul says. Now, better questions to ask instead of when is maybe who should I marry? What should I do with my life? Why am I in this painful situation? They're all really good questions, which brings up the point, where do we go to ask? Now, Carly, she would say that TikTok is a really good resource to where to go to ask. And I would agree in some situations. Our house is like, it's built on TikTok ideas and TikTok videos. The decorations on the inside, not built, but like decorated and all that. Like, um, how do I decorate this wall? What do I want our nursery to look like? And she would watch TikTok videos, and these people would make these really beautiful rooms, and uh, she'd kind of style it after that. And so it's actually valuable. TikTok is actually valuable for some sorts of things. For me, I love Googling things. I don't know what it is, but whenever I have a question, I just pull up Google, and I type in, like, the full question, and I hope that an answer comes up. And my search history is kind of funny. I wanted to see, you know how, like, when you type a word, and the rest of it fills in. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I wanted to see what I had searched up before, and when I typed in where, the, it filled in where to build a house in Minecraft, because I thought about it before. I always build in the mountains, because I want a nice view. Yeah, I heard a yes over here. That's right. In the mountains, but I'd never built in a different biome, so I wanted to see where to build in Minecraft, and um, I'm thinking about the snow, because it'd be cozy. But another one I typed in is when. When and what came up was, does Chick-fil-A caramel milkshake end? So I'd looked that up before. And unfortunately, I looked it up the day after it ended, and so I didn't get to have one. But, hey. Um, I didn't get to have one, but that's what I looked up. And then, what? What car is Lightning McQueen? And I found out that he was a kind of a Corvette, which was pretty cool. 
I mean, we like the car movies. We watched it a little while ago. Not the second one. That one's really weird. If you've seen that one, they like go into espionage and yeah, it's weird. The first one's really good. Anyway, Lightning McQueen, he's a kind of a, cor- a Corvette. But Google is familiar with me because I've asked questions to it before. It's familiar with the kind of questions that I ask. God wants to be familiar with your questions because he wants to be familiar with you. Your questions are a part of who you are. He wants you to be familiar with him. Google knows me. TikTok may know you. Instagram Reels may know you. It's curated to what you look, what you like. When you're scrolling on TikTok, if you scroll quickly past something, it's not going to show you that again. It, only ta- it takes time to get familiar with it, for TikTok to be familiar with you. So my question is, is TikTok more familiar with you than God is with you? Do you spend more time with things like TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, which I haven't really gotten into YouTube Shorts, but I've heard that they're cool. Are those things more familiar with you than God is? The first outline point here is to get answers, we go to God's word. We go to God's word. It's a blessing for generations. It's been here for thousands of years, thousands of years of stories, hundreds of authors, and it was written over 1,500 years. Words that literally came from the lips of our God. If you have the kinds of Bibles that have the red print in there, those are literally the words that our God spoke when he was on earth. And we don't go to it for answers. It's such an incredible thing. And I know that you guys have heard this a lot. and You're familiar with the Bible, so it's not like super exciting to go look to it. But these are literally the words that our God spoke. We don't use it. And I'm with you in that. Like, I don't use it enough as I should. I, I use Google when things are happening. Why is this going on? I literally type in the whole question in Google. But this is the word of God. The people who wrote the Bible... It was used as a term called inspiration. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So every word in the Bible is exactly how God wants it with the personalities and experiences of the authors intertwined in his word. It's an incredible, incredible resource. We have to refer to it. If questions in the Bible aren't referenced specifically or if stories aren't applicable to what you're going through, then again, use reason with a biblical lens to kind of find out what you should do is my advice there. Um, That's not the next point in your outline, but... Um, God gave us human reason. He gave us the ability to think through challenges because he wanted us to be able to work through things and be equipped for what life has for us. And with that, use reason, but use biblical values when you're walking through questions or working through something that you're struggling with. So use biblical values. What am I talking about? So for dating, dating isn't referenced in the Bible. It's never once referenced. But we have questions about dating, as we should. How do I date How long do I date? Who should I date? Should I date at all? To find answers about it, there's nothing specifically in the Bible that says date this long, date this kind of person. But there are passages about marriage and passages about character. So what I'm talking about with a biblical lens is look at those passages. Proverbs 31 is a great one to look at when looking for a wife. Isaac, his servant, went out and found a hardworking woman, Rebecca, and he married her. He didn't date her at all. He just married her on the spot. Kind of cool. Would anybody do that? I kind of hope not, because you never know these days. People are a little sus. Um, But my, my point here is dating wasn't invented until later on. It's not biblical. It's not in the Bible, date this person. I think we date a little too much. I think we date to have friends, to have relationship, to have community, when really we should be looking for character in somebody and faithfully serving the Lord. 
And then if they have that, if you marry that person, I think you'll have a great marriage, regardless of how long you date them. Kind of went on a tangent there. Anyway, next, next kind of part here is what to do with our lives is another question. To view that with a biblical lens, we can look to figures in the Bible and see what they did, how they did it, and then reasonably apply that to our lives. We'll talk about David in a minute, but he was fully committed to the Lord, and God used him. He was yielded to the Lord in every situation. He loved the Lord. So in our lives, we can apply those to our lives, see how God used him, and trust God to use us in the same way. That's what I mean by looking at these things with a biblical lens when the Bible doesn't necessarily say exactly how to do something. The next line on your outline is, we go to people who know God's word. Again, back to Jesus in Luke 2. He went to the teachers in the temple, people who knew the word of God in their head, could recite entire books. He went to those kinds of people to ask questions, not just his buddies who he kind of likes. He goes to people who he trusts, who know the word of God. And I hope that that's your small group leaders. They know the word of God. If it's me, great. If it's not, that's okay. People who know the word of God can really guide you. They have wisdom because the word of God. So people who trust, who know the word of God. And then the last one is God himself. Go to God himself with your questions. That's where we go. Now you ask, how? And I'm so glad you asked, because that's my next point. Thanks, guys. How can we ask? Job, in chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, he was said about Job that he never sinned in all that he did. So clearly, there's a man worthy of looking to when you're looking for somebody to model in the way that we pray. Job was a man of prayer. It, the book of Job opens up uh, with Job praying for his family, and it closes with Job praying for his friends. Every time Job responds to his friends, he responds to them, and then he, talks, he t- responds to them about God, and then he talks to God. So he prays in every one of his responses. Job prays his lament, his confusion, his frustration, his pride, his confidence, his innocence, his requests. He prays them all to his God. Ultimately, God honors Job because of this and tells Job to pray for his friends to redeem them. So prayer is the first point on your outline. And then the, little, the long one below that is prayer with a posture of respect for who God is in humility, knowing who we are. You might have to write a little smaller to fit that in the line. But prayer with a posture of respect for who God is and humility, knowing who we are. The perfect person to look at for how to do this is King David. He was a man that we know is after God's heart. He's also a broken sinner. We see that in situations like with Bathsheba when he kills Bathsheba's husband uh, so he won't know that he slept with Bathsheba. He's a broken sinner and God is just with him but he's a man after God's own heart. The Psalms that he writes, the first 73 Psalms or so, they're prayers. They're prayers of David. In the Psalms, he asks God questions. Where are you? Why do you stand far away? Why do my enemies afflict me? He asks God questions questions. And my and Carly reminded me of the acronym that we like to use for how to ask God questions and how David prays. And the acronym is PRAY, P-R-A-Y. P stands for praise. The first thing David does in all of his psalms is he praises the Lord. In his psalms, he praises the Lord. How powerful are you? How great are you? Then the R is repent. He repents, talks about how wicked I am, what evil I've done. So he praises, he repents, and then he asks. Because he's praising, because he has repented, then he asks. And the why is yield. So he praises, he repents of his sin, he asks the Lord of something, and then he ultimately yields to who God is. So he has humility, 
knowing that God is in control and respect for who God is by praising and repenting before him. So when you're praying, remember, praise, repent, ask, and yield. I should have put that on the outline. I forgot about that part. But it's good to remember, praise, repent, ask, and yield. David always concludes with recognizing God's authority in his psalms. He asks questions directly, but respectfully and humbly. And we see that God took care of David throughout his life. It's a beautiful example of how to pray and how to lay our requests before God. Next kind of point that I want to hang out on is, is doubt in our faith. This ties into questions because when we have doubt, it often leads to questions. There's a book called Help My Unbelief. It says that there are two kinds of questions, believing doubt and unbelieving doubt. One comes from a lack of faith and skepticism. One comes from earnestly seeking God. We see believing doubt in Thomas, the disciple of Jesus. What's the word that we usually hear before Thomas? Doubting. Yeah, doubting Thomas. And you guys have probably heard it before that he wasn't really doubting. He was just really honest. But in John 14, 5, um, Thomas asks, We don't know where you are going. How will we know the way? And Jesus responds without ridiculing him. He answers clearly with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Thomas, wanting to know more about his faith, asks Jesus a question in faith, and he responds clearly to Thomas and gives him an answer. In John chapter 20, Thomas doubted Jesus, and he doubted that Jesus had been raised to life. So Jesus appeared to him and showed him his scars. He didn't ridicule Thomas, saying, stupid, bro. I told you this was going to happen. No, he showed him his scars. He stood before him and said, Thomas, here I am. Because Thomas was seeking faithfully, wanting answers to the doubt that he had, the Lord provided them. Jesus provided them to him with kindness and with patience. On the other side of that is unbelieving doubt. Unbelieving doubt, I believe, looks for reasons to solidify your unbelief. When you have unbelieving doubt, when you're doubting this faith, when you see things in life, you're just more secure in your doubt. Why do bad things happen to good people? We talked about a couple weeks ago. Why do innocent children die? Okay, if that happens, then there must not be a God. So your doubt that you already had, you see something, you see situations around you, your doubt is then solidified because you're not really seeking answers. You don't really want answers. You just want to be comfortable in what you already believe, so you justify it. It's called unbelieving doubt. I encourage you guys to have believing doubt. Be like Thomas. Want to have answers to your questions. Earnestly seek them. Don't sit back and ask a question, and when the answer doesn't satisfy you, sit back and think, oh, I must be right, because that's not what I expected to hear. So have believing, believing doubt. Seek answers to your questions earnestly. The last point here um, <clears throat> is Jesus and our questions. Now, Jesus asked 307 or 309 to 339 questions in the New Testament. He was asked 183 questions in the New Testament. And it's kind of funny. If you look at his answers, he hardly ever answers a question really clearly. He uses parables or he asks a question back to the person who asked him a question kind of wearing away at the foundation of their question. He asks them a question back or says something about the future or references scripture and doesn't answer questions very clearly. When he does answer questions clearly, it's when Pilate asked him, are you a king? Jesus said, you say that I am. When the disciples asked him, Jesus teaches how to pray. As John taught his disciples, he gave them the Lord's prayer. They asked, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And then when Thomas asked him, 
how will we go if we don't know where you're going? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So those are a couple of chances or opportunities where Jesus chooses to answer clearly, but usually it's not a very clear, straightforward answer. It's a parable, a reference to scripture, or a question back that challenges the people who asked him a question. And God doesn't change. It's immutable. If you were at the winter conference, they talked about God's immutability. He doesn't change. Jesus is God. If Jesus is responding to people's questions with questions and parables and things that aren't very clear, maybe that's what's going to happen to us. How can we expect to get super clear answers if that's not what God does in the New Testament? Now, the beautiful part of it all, I know, I know it's frustrating when we don't get clear answers, but the beautiful part of it all is that we get to ask questions. That's the point in your outline. Jesus allows us access to God. We get to ask questions. Regardless of whether we're satisfied with what the response is or whether we think the Lord hears us, we get to ask the question. We get access to God because what Jesus has done for us. He's our high priest who provides access to us to, for us to pray to the Father. Steve uh, talked about this on Sunday, if you were there, how the high priest in um, Israel, they would have the tabernacle, and then inside the tabernacle, they had the holy room, which is like a sectioned off room. And then inside of that, they had the Holy of Holies. Once a year, one person, the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies and be in God's presence. Once a year, one person. And they would sacrifice a perfect lamb on the Ark of the Covenant to cover the sins of the nation. Jesus is our perfect lamb. He's the perfect lamb. And because he has sacrificed himself, we get access to God. We get access to God, our creator, and we don't use it. It's incredible. I mean, try and put yourself in those shoes. In the Old Testament, no one could go into access, go into the throne room of God except for the high priest once a year, and we get to do it now, tonight, in the morning when we wake up. We get to see or pray and yield to God but we don't do it. We cast it aside because we're too busy. And I'm with you. Like, I'm too busy too. I have things that come up and I'm too busy. Really, I'm not. We'll talk about it in a second, but ultimately, we may not get an answer from God when we bring these requests to him, when we lay them at his feet. Job didn't get an answer. We'll see it in a couple of weeks, but Job does not get a clear answer to all the questions that he has to God. He asks all these questions to God, and then ultimately what God does is he adjusts Job's perspective of asking the questions. So Job has all these things going around in his head. He asks questions of God, why is this suffering happening? And God doesn't answer him. He just changes Job's posture. Since Job is a model for us, this is what happens in the Old Testament. I think that that's often what we need. What we need when we ask God questions is maybe we're not asking the right question. Maybe we're not asking it from the right perspective, in the right posture, with respect for who God is and true humility, knowing who we are. Man, I think we really need to be adjusted. I need to be adjusted consistently. I'll leave you guys with this, kind of a last thought. If you do have a question for God, which I think most of us probably do, why or what or who, etc., we have a question for God. What is his answer worth to you? What is his answer worth to you? If I, if I miss a test, in college I had a, a, what's it called, an online course. It was a really easy course. It was health and um, it was my easiest course of the semester. And I forgot to do the third test. I missed it. 
and then I emailed the professor, I texted him, I went to his office hours, and eventually he let me retake the test. And I, it's kind of funny, I forgot to take the retake of the test. So I got a C in the class, which sucks. It was the easiest class I've ever taken, and I got a C. Um, but point being, like, I was buggering him until he was going to respond to me. It's because I wanted to know if I could retake the test. Because I really, really cared about his answer. If it was going to be yes, if it was going to be no. Because if I could take the test, I would have gotten an A. So I was really, really seeking an answer from him. But we don't do that. We don't do that with God. Our actions will show how much we care. I emailed him, must have been three, four times, texted him, went to his office hours. I cared about his answer. When we have a question for God, our actions should show how much we care. And I, more often than not, I throw little Hail Mary prayers up. God, mm, I'd love this. We're looking for a car right now, and it's hard to find a used car because uh, the tree fell on my car. I think I told you guys about that. But we're looking for a new car, and I'm like praying, God, I hope this car works out. But I don't really pray or seek an answer for, a, for an extended period of time. I just kind of throw prayers up and then move on. It shows that ultimately I don't really care about his answer. And I think that that's true for most people. We don't really care about his answer. If we did, would we not be diving into the word of God for hours at a time, praying for hours at a time, fasting? I don't know, most people probably haven't fasted before. I don't fast enough. Fasting is seeking the Lord's presence by giving up meals or giving up a thing that we enjoy because we want to hear from him. We want to seek him. I don't think when we pray, we sit and listen and wait for a response from him. Maybe it's because we don't think he'll answer or if he doesn't answer, we'll, just, we'll be okay because we didn't sit and actually listen to him. But I leave you guys with that. What is his answer worth to you? When you have a question for him, are you praying like David did? David would wake up at midnight. He would wake up at midnight. He had a bell above his bed and when the wind would blow at midnight, he would wake him up and he would sit in the presence of the Lord for hours seeking him. That's why he can ask questions so clearly and straightforward. Now, I want us to be there. I want to be there. I want you guys to be there, where we're seeking him so much. I mean, I love, I, Instagram Reels is my addiction. I don't do TikTok, but Instagram Reels is really what I get stuck on. Um, that, I used to love playing video games. I don't have as much time for it anymore. I wish I did, but I just don't as much anymore. Um, watching Netflix, I love watching Netflix. Rewatching Stranger Things right now. It's so good. The fourth season's so creepy, but it's so good. Um, these things, they're all distracting. Like, I get it. I know that we're busy, you guys have school, you guys have jobs, you have sports, you have friends, you have just time to relax for yourself. And I get it that we're busy. I'm busy too. But this shows that we don't really care about God's answer if we don't give up time and give up things that we enjoy to hear from him. So I encourage you guys to spend time seeking an answer from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the fact that we have it, the fact that we can open up a book and see exactly what you have said thousands of years ago. Thank you for the example of Job. Thank you for the example of David and from the example of Jesus, your son, and how to pray. Thank you for your son's sacrifice on the cross that allows us to lay our requests at your feet. I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be convicted to pray earnestly and to seek answers from you when we have them. I pray that we would know that you want our questions, that you want our requests, as Paul says in Philippians. We love you so much. Thank you so much for being a good God who wants to hear from his children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.